case of extremes this morning, I guess. Um, it's December. Right? Amen. Are you ready? Are you ready for it? I'm really hoping that over the next few weeks, that as we look at some of these uh, descriptions of Jesus, as we kind of kicked off last week uh, by talking about the, the power of our God and, and how hundreds and hundreds of years before he did things uh, on the earth, he had his prophet Isaiah specifically, is who we looked at last week, write these things down so that people could see that they're coming and then when they came, know that, that our God said this was going to happen and it did. I mean, my, my hope and prayer is that as we go through this and, you know, as you read other things that you come across in this Christmas season, you know, I, I came across that uh, Dave Ramsey had a list of 15 things to do so Christmas isn't so, so stressful. And I thought, you know, it's not bad to look at those things and to, to sort of pre-plan, you know, sort of think, well, you know, one of the things he said was, don't schedule so many things. Don't say yes to so many things. And then, and then I looked at my schedule and went, oh man, too late. <laughs> too late for that one. Um, but hundreds and hundreds of prophecies we find in the Old Testament and in the New that, that have been fulfilled and that, that happened just exactly the way God said that they were going to happen. And we know, and we, we can read those, and we see it, it's truth. We know that, that our God is powerful. That he is trustworthy, that we can, we, can, we can read anything that he says and had written and go, yes, that's fact. That's truth. Um, and, and we're focusing specifically on Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, uh, over the next four weeks. And, and it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we, we look at the birth of Jesus Christ in, in the stable, and we go, that's exactly who he was, and that's exactly the way it happened. Written 800, almost 800 years before it occurred. And it says, the first description of Jesus here, is he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Have you ever, have you ever thought about that? Wonderful Counselor. What does that really mean? I mean, what does, how, how does that describe Jesus? You know, I mean, in, in our current vernacular, in, in the way that we talk these days, you know, think about the word wonderful. What does that mean? How do you use that word? Oh, we had a wonderful time. You know, we, we, we use it uh, in a sense to describe something that was, that was likable or lovely, right? Oh, you look wonderful. Or... Um, Something like, uh, how wonderful it was to see those guys. I mean, maybe you don't use that word in those ways, but I think as you think of the word wonderful, um, the descriptor, the literal meaning of the word as it's used uh, in the original language is going to surprise you a bit. And, and I hope that it sticks so that as we continue towards uh, Christmas, we think of it in this way. Well, wonderful literally means incomprehensible. Write that down. Incomprehensible. Okay? So when it says that, that this child that's going to be born is going to be our incomprehensible counselor, that takes on a different perspective, I think, and, and takes our mind in a different direction than the, word, than the English word wonderful. 
And, and we're going to see how this is true. You see, Jesus is wonderful, incomprehensible in ways that boggle our minds, that we can't grasp, that we can't understand, that we have no way of really uh, knowing what and how he is wonderful. You know, when, when we sing the final song today, we're going to sing, I, told, I asked Caleb to do the wondrous cross. You know, oftentimes we think, well, really that, that wonderful cross, that wondrous cross, wasn't really so wondrous for Jesus, was it? But when we think about what happened on that cross, it becomes incomprehensible. And in that use of the word wondrous, wonderful, it's absolutely true. It's, it's incomprehensible. So, so my hope is that as we think about this phrase, wonderful counselor, that, that we don't forget the power that it refers to as we continue through our Christmas season and our celebration. This same word for wonderful is also used in Judges chapter 13, verse 18, when Manoah, Samson's father, asked the Lord, who was Jesus in this particular Old Testament case, it was a theophany, it was a, it was a, a, a time when Jesus actually showed himself before he was incarnate as a man. The angel of the Lord is how it's commonly used in the Old Testament. This is, this is what Jesus said. Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? In other words, why do you ask my name since it's incomprehensible? I, I, can't, I had a professor in college one time. He was trying to describe the, this, this one theological term, that, and we, we asked him this question. We're like, well, what, what does that really mean? And, and he looks at us and he says, well, I could explain it to you, but you still wouldn't understand it. That's what, that's what he's talking about. That's what Jesus was saying. There's no way to grasp it. There's no great way to grasp who I am. Why do you ask my name since it is incomprehensible? It is, it is beyond your understanding. When Isaiah wrote his prediction of the coming of the wonderful counselor, he was challenging Israel to remember that their Messiah was indeed coming to establish his, his kingdom. I mean, this is a period of history in the life of Israel that was, that was a big struggle for them. I mean, it was chaotic. The Assyrians were on the march. They were taking people into captivity by droves. Israel is experiencing this. This is when Isaiah wrote his prophecy. And his prophecy then, uh, the purpose, and I, I believe the word for this first day, this first Sunday of Advent, is hope. His prophecy gave hope to the people. That God said he was going to do this, and he's going to. You just need to wait for it. You just need to wait for it. Isaiah reminds them that a child will be born to fulfill this Davidic covenant and that he, that, that, that one of his titles that he will bear is Wonderful Counselor. The child was, of course, Jesus Christ. And the prophecy will reach its final consummation as we think about it in our time because you're like, well, what's the big deal for me to think about Jesus coming? Because he already did, Right? Well, he's coming again, right? <laughs> That's the one we look forward to. That's the one we need to have our hope in. That's the one that we need to be ready for. It could be tomorrow. It could be next month, next year, in a decade, in 2,000 years. I have no idea. But we need to be ready for that. And we can look forward to the day when that comes. <clears throat> you see, because of God's incredible power and sovereignty, 
Jesus was born at the right time. He was born at the appointed time. He was crucified at the right time, at the appointed time, the time that God had set for him. Exactly as it was foretold. Exactly. And he rose again, which was witnessed by hundreds of people. Jesus, alive, who was once dead, and he will return at his appointed time. So when you are discouraged, when you wonder and you question if Jesus is able to help you on the current journey of life that you are in the midst of, remember that he is a wonderful counselor, incomprehensible. So let's take a look at how we see this word describing Jesus. Wonderful, incomprehensible. It's, it's illustrated in the New Testament uh, first, there is the incomprehensible conception. I mean, this is first century stuff, people. Now, t- in today's day and age, you know, people say, well, there's artificial insemination. I mean, there's, there's ways that a woman can be pregnant without having had intercourse with a man. I mean, it, but in the first century, this concept was incomprehensible to people. Could you imagine being Mary, ladies, getting this message? How would you respond? I think, I think you would probably respond in the same way that Mary did. I mean, in Luke 2, 34, this is what Mary says. How will this be since I am a virgin? She wasn't questioning the power of God. She wasn't questioning the message. She was asking a matter-of-fact question. Like, how's this going to go down? <laughs> um, I'm a little confused here. Because this concept that she was being told was incomprehensible. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. Well, the angel answered her in verse 35, and he says this, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. You see, no man is going to have any participation in this. This is going to be a work of God. Which happened all the time in that day and age, right? No. Incomprehensible. Wonderful. Jesus is our wonderful counselor. Um, Joseph had to be in disbelief. I mean, wouldn't you be? If your fiancé, who you were betrothed, which has a great, greater meaning than, than uh, um, being engaged in our culture, um, came to you and said, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant. And oh, by the way, it's of God. Right? I mean, Joseph, he felt felt all kinds of things. I'm sure he was angry. I'm sure he felt betrayed because he's going on this conception, (laughs) poor choice of words, maybe, that this thing, this doesn't happen. This is biologically impossible. So it says that he decided he was going to quietly divorce Mary. I mean, what a disgrace to the family, um, to their heritage. But you see, God took care of Joseph's reaction, which was a normal one. Um, In Matthew 1, 21 through 24, we read this. She will give birth to a son. This, This is the message that Joseph is getting from an angel. And you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. 
All this, why? Took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. No mistaking the message. No mistaking the messenger. He knows the prophecy in his head. He was a good Jewish boy growing up. He, knew, he probably knew the book of Isaiah by heart. And he's hearing the angel say these things, and I'm sure he's, always, he's also thinking to himself, this is incomprehensible. I, 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 on the one hand, I can't believe this, but on the other hand, I just experienced an angel. It must be true. It must be true. Because it's not natural. It's supernatural. And that's one of the way God works. Wonderful. His incomprehensible conception. We also read in the New Testament about right before your eyes healing. I mean, seriously, if you've ever experienced something like that, you would think to yourself, this is incomprehensible. I don't get this. I don't understand this. What is even going on? I mean, people saw shriveled hands restored right before their eyes. The blind could instantly see. The lame restored. The paralyzed walked. Immediately, take up your mat and walk. What do you think the people in that room thought that day? Wow, this happens all the time, right? People followed Jesus by droves because they wanted to see something that was supernatural and Jesus was doing it. Did they understand how it was happening? No. Incomprehensible. Incomprehensible. People were amazed. The, uh, the New Testament uses that word often. Amazed at these, un, uh, at these wonderful works because it was incomprehensible. Impossible, in fact, because they even saw a dead man walking. Right? Turn with me to John chapter 11. Um, open up those Bibles this morning to John chapter 11. Fourth Gospel, fourth book of the New Testament. John chapter 11. I want to read verses 17, 18, and 19. Look at those with me if you would. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. So let's think about the scene. People are mourning the loss of Lazarus. There's lots of them because it's only a couple miles from Jerusalem. Lots of family and friends came. And, uh, and they're there just mourning this loss. I mean, it's a sad time. Lazarus was a beloved friend, even a beloved friend of Jesus. And the overarching attitude of all the people surrounding the situation was, when Jesus shows up, is what? Jesus, if you'd only been here sooner. If you'd only come sooner. You know, I mean, why did you wait? Why didn't you come sooner? 
And, and in the conversation, Jesus says this to Martha. Verse, uh, look at verse 25. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this, he says to Martha. And Martha says, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Well, Martha and Mary and all those around to witness what you are about to see, be amazed. Be amazed. Think about it. Jesus is the wonderful counselor, incomprehensible. I'm sure Jesus was thinking to himself, maybe, I don't know if he had thoughts like this. I would have had this thought. Prepare to have your minds blown. Because Jesus is going to do something that is incomprehensible. It has never happened before. Look at verse 35. Jesus wept. Jesus is feeling and has a sense of the, the emotional, um, the emotions that are going on with all of the people. He himself, at the death of Lazarus. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Again, if you'd only been here sooner... You could have stopped death because now in their minds, it's too late. Nothing can be done now. Nothing can be done now. Have you ever thought that yourself? Have you ever been maybe at a struggle in a relationship or something was going on and you're just wrestling with it and wrestling with it and wrestling with it and... And maybe you think to yourself, Jesus, if you'd only showed up sooner, if you could have only done something a year ago about this situation that I'm in, or if, if you would only, you know, if you would only had me stumble across this whatever, um, this health thing sooner, um, something could have been done about it and my life could have been saved, or my, the life of so-and-so, the friend that I have, could have been saved. If you'd only showed up sooner. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever said that out loud? Jesus, why couldn't you have been here? Why did you let this happen? Why didn't you act sooner? Why couldn't this have happened a different way? That's what these people are thinking. If you'd have been here sooner, like five days ago, you could have done something about this situation. But we need to remind ourselves, if you are feeling that right now, you need to remind yourself that, that we serve a wonderful counselor whose work is incomprehensible to us. Because in this case, if Jesus had come five days earlier and he had healed Lazarus, they wouldn't have been able to see what they're about to see. I mean, have you ever seen God work that way in your life? You think to yourself, and, and, and you know, if you're in the midst of something right now, you, it's 
almost impossible to see it. But if, if you have experienced something like that and you're on the other side of that and you're looking back and you think to yourself, wow, look what God did. And think to yourself about some of those details because if he had changed some of them, maybe you wouldn't be as, ma- as amazed today as you are. Because why? Because he waited. Because he didn't act. Because he didn't take you out of the situation. He used it to transform you and to help you understand and see that he is incomprehensible. That's what Jesus did here. Look at verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And he says, Take away the stone. But Lord said, Martha, he's been in there four days. It's going to stink. Then Jesus said, verse 40, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he, had, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! Can you imagine standing near the tomb? There's this guy that's been dead for four days, and there's this guy standing outside saying, Hey, Lazarus, come on out! Come on down! You're our next contestant on The Price is Right. No. what happened? The incomprehensible happened. They never have seen before. Right before your eyes healing happened. Because it says this, Lazarus, the dead man, came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face, and Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. (sighs) Mind blown, right? That's the Jesus we serve today. That's the Jesus that reaches into our life and your life and rescues us. He's the one that when we are facing things that we don't think we could possibly face, and, and it's, it's incomprehensible to us how God could even, you know, we read that verse that says that, that, um, that God... Um, All right. It's not coming to me. God makes good things happen for those who are in Christ Jesus. Somebody help me. I mean, that's the gist of it, right? Awana people, some kid, tell me. Quote the verse. Huh? Romans 8, 28. Let me look it up real quick. Yeah, that one. All right. I'll say it in my microphone so everybody can hear. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been a call, who have been called according to his purpose. But when we are in the midst of those troubles, we have, we have a hard time seeing that because we're experiencing the pain. And we think there's, there's just no way anything good can come of this. 
But instead, we need to tell ourselves, I serve the wonderful counselor. And wonderful doesn't mean pleasant and happy and fun and all that. It means incomprehensible. It means he does things that I can't understand. I'm going to trust him in this. I'm going to trust him in this. You know, if, if I had had that kind of faith in college when I was dating, oh man, I could have saved myself a lot of anxiety and quite a few other ladies some anxiety and probably some anger too. So think about how some of those relationships ended. And I think, of course, it's really hard to do this. I, I, all of you youth in the room or those who aren't married who want to be, I, I get it. Trust me. But knowing now, if I had known then what I know now, I would have been a lot less relaxed and worrisome and so, you know, um, beat the door of matrimony down with every effort I could give it uh, while I was in college and just trust him to do the work that he's going to do in his time. Because now, you know, this month, 25 years, are you kidding me? Where has the time gone? And, and as I think about those 25 years, and as I look through the pictures of that 25 years, and I think, well, that was a really good time. We're all smiling in that picture, but that was not a really good time. And I think about the, 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 the struggles and the, the things that we wrestled with, and I think about where we are at now, and, and the pain and stuff that we went through, and the counseling and all of that we, we, we were willing to do, um, because we made this commitment to each other. That doesn't happen. One, um, at the end of 25 years, if it's not for a God who does things that are incomprehensible. And we all need to trust that. We all need to believe that. He is the wonderful counselor. And then the incomprehensible of all incomprehensible things, if raising a dead guy isn't enough, Jesus then raises himself. He's not speaking power onto somebody else's life. He is himself this power. His resurrection from the dead. Jesus himself rose from the dead, right? No way! That can't happen. It's never happened before. How often does God do things that have never happened before? Every day. Every day. Uh, an angel told the women who were looking to anoint Jesus' body at the tomb in Mark 16, 6, don't be alarmed. <laughs> right? Jesus' body is gone. Don't freak out, the angel says. I know I'm going before you and all that, but it's okay. Don't be afraid. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, aren't you, who was crucified? And I'm sure the women were like, uh, yeah, we are. He says, he is risen. He is not here. Look, right here, this is where they laid him. He's not here anymore. Go tell everybody. And then hundreds and hundreds of people saw Jesus walking the earth. They ate with him. They were allowed to touch his wounds, his physical body. Yet, he was not all physical anymore because now he could, you know, walk through doors and disappear and go places really fast. 
mind-blowing and incomprehensible, his perfect life, his amazing teaching, all the things that Jesus taught, right? Wonderful things. Wonderful. Not in the pleasantry type or description of the word, but wonderful as incomprehensible things. I mean, things that, that we think, things that are counterintuitive to our human minds, right? We don't think this way. I mean, Jesus asks us to do them. He commands us. In Matthew 5, 4, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn. Who says that? I'm mourning the loss of somebody or something, and Jesus said, you're blessed. How does that even work? I don't know, but I trust it. Uh, Matthew 5, 11, and 12, Jesus says, Rejoice and be glad in persecution. Be thankful that people are calling you names because of my name. What? I don't feel so good when that happens. That just doesn't, that's incomprehensible to me. Luke 6, oh, here's a big one. Love your enemies, Jesus says. Do good to those who hate you. Ah, that, I mean, come on, I've got to draw the line somewhere, right? I mean, Jesus' kind of wonderful is awe-inspiring and superior to any other kind of thinking or teaching that we would ever come in contact with. But we know, uh, for he is perfect in every way. But we are told in Matthew chapter 5, 43 and 48, did I, did I put this one up? Okay. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, I love the way that says that, what are you doing more than others? Everybody can do that. Anybody can do that. Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, Jesus says, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. You see, as we live our lives connected and serving our wondrous counselor, he transforms us to be like him. And we find ourselves coming into contact with people and in situations where we are actually doing, even without thinking sometimes, what he commands us to do. The best way to overcome the need to forgive someone for pain that they have caused in your life or in mine is to pray for them. Is, is to ask God to bless them. And it may take a while for that to actually be real. I mean, because sometimes it feels like a parent saying to a kid, say you're sorry and mean it. Yeah, right, okay. But if I think about that and I say it often enough, there's another phrase, and I don't know if this applies here, but there's another phrase that says, fake it till you make it. <laughs> I don't know, that just came to my mind. I, I don't know if that's good or not to put that here, but sometimes it takes that repetition to finally have God penetrate our heart to where we actually believe what we're praying, that, we're, that, that when we pray a blessing on someone who has hurt us, we, we mean it. We mean it. Uh, he was a 31-year-old Bronx social worker. He just wanted to do what he did every night on the way home from work, grab a quick bite to eat at his favorite diner. Only one thing stood in his way from doing just that, a mugger. When, when Diaz stepped off the train and onto the subway platform, a teenager ran up to him, pulled out a knife, and demanded Diaz hand over his wallet. Um, realizing that it wasn't worth a fight, Diaz handed him his wallet. Uh, 
but much to the mugger's surprise, Diaz decided to go the extra mile. As the teen ran away, Diaz called, If you're going to be robbing people for the rest of the night, you might as well take my coat too. It's cold out. The boy stopped in his tracks, shocked. Diaz explained that it was quite clear the teen needed money, so he told him to keep the wallet, take the coat, and if he wanted, grab a bite to eat with him. The boy was too shocked to say no. So, so the two ate dinner at Diaz's favorite diner. The teen marveled over how many dishwashers and waitresses offered him offered Diaz a wave or a friendly word. He figured Diaz owned the place, and when the boy shared his observation, Diaz smiled and said, haven't you been taught you should be nice to everybody? Yeah, the teen replied, but I didn't think people actually behaved that way. The two continued to talk about life and other matters. When the bill finally came, Diaz told the boy that he needed his wallet to pay. The boy handed it back without even thinking twice. Diaz paid for the meal and offered the teen 20 bucks. He also asked that his would-be mugger surrender the knife, which he did. When Diaz told his mother about the encounter, she said, you're the type of kid that if someone asked you for the time, you would give them your watch. Oh, how wonderful. Oh, how wonderful. So the second part of the Messiah's title we are looking at today is the word counselor. This is sort of a little less exciting to me than the word wonderful. Counselor. Uh, but a counselor is someone who is able and capable of giving counsel or to advise. Okay, to provide a plan or a purpose. That well describes Jesus the Messiah, doesn't it? I mean, he is certainly wise. In ancient Israel, a counselor was portrayed as a wise king, such as Solomon, giving guidance to his people. Isaiah uses this word again, this word counselor, in, in 28, 29, to describe the Lord. Um, verse 29, All this also comes from the Lord Almighty, whose plan is wonderful, whose wisdom is magnificent. Jesus is a wise counselor. We can trust him. We can trust his words. When we read what he said and, and what he taught, we can trust that as wise. We can trust him with that, that to give us guidance and wisdom for the things in life. You know, you have a question about something. Well, what did Jesus say about it? And, and then go actually look. See what God's word says. What did, what did God teach? What did Jesus teach about this? Now, sometimes we don't do that because we know we won't like the answer. Right? That's no excuse. We've got to go to his word. If he says, confess one to another, we need to confess one to another. If he says, seek counsel, we need to seek counsel. If he says, surrender your life to me, believe and you will be saved, really, let's do that. And he knows us individually too. You see, he knows you better than you think he knows you. He knows you better than you think he knows you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your strengths. He knows your passions. He probably gave many of them to you. Your fears, your confidence. And I mean, why wouldn't he, right? 
Because He created you. He created me. We think, well, no, we, we, that was, that's all biology, right? The Bible says that, that He knew us before we were even a twinkle in our mom and dad's eye. We, he knew us even before our mom and dad existed. He knit us together in our mother's womb, the Bible says. And John 2.25 says this, He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. Do you need wisdom in your life? Turn to your wonderful counselor. Ask him. Maybe there's something that's just nagging at you right now in this moment. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath and and ask him to answer it for you, to give you wisdom. I mean, the Bible says that we don't have because we don't ask. Maybe you just haven't been asking. Ask. Ask him right now. Now, Jesus is not just full of wisdom, but he is also able to advise. He's able to advise advise his people honestly and effectively because he is more qualified than any human counselor could ever hope to be. In Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, it says in Colossians 2.3, including all of the knowledge of human nature. Psalm 139, verses 1 and 2, David starts out his psalm this way. You have searched me, Lord. You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. We need to remember that. Because he does that every day. And I think about that. And then, and then I think about the way David ends this psalm in, in verse uh, 23 and 24. Uh, crying out to God to move him in the right direction, to, to guide him, to advise him. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Our wondrous counselor is wise. He is able to advise with that wisdom. And a word that is just as wonderful, again, in the literal meaning, incomprehensible as anything else is this. He is sovereign. That is a big word. There is so much behind that word. You see, Jesus always knows what we're going through, and he always knows the right course of action, period. He knows exactly what's going on in our head, what's going to go on in our head before we die, what's going to go on in our head the day we die. I really don't know what else to say about this characteristic of our wonderful counselor, but to remind us of Hebrews 4, 15, and 16, where it says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. He's speaking of Jesus, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Are you struggling with life? Go to God's throne of grace with confidence. Get on your knees before him and say, God, I need help. And you are the only one that can help me.
because I see the situation as being incomprehensible. But as I heard this morning in church, that is who you are. You are incomprehensible, and you can do things that I don't understand. And, and one of those things is this situation. Maybe life is amazing for you right now. Maybe you're like, it couldn't get any better. I mean, I just, I just, I have no worries right now. I'm, I'm just, I'm just kind of enjoying life. Well, go to God's throne of grace with confidence. So that you may worship and thank him for his continuing mercy and grace in your life. Jesus Christ's position as our wonderful counselor means that we can trust him to listen to our problems and guide us in the right direction. We can be sure he's listening because he told us to pray to him about our worries. We can be certain he has our best interests at heart because he loves us. And his love is so wide and deep and wonderful that we can't fully comprehend it. Fully God and fully man. I mean, incomprehensible, right? But that's who Jesus was. So wonderful. Now as the worship team comes up here and we move to communion, I, I want us to think about this. Uh, as we remember, and you may have seen this before, but this, I saw this this week, and I thought, you know what, that's, that's exactly, that describes Jesus. Greatest man in history, yet he had no servants. He had no degree, yet they called him teacher. He had no medicines, yet they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. His name is Jesus. Wonderful, incomprehensible counselor. Lord Jesus, thank you. And I pray, Father, that, that in this message today, our, our minds have been expanded a bit. I pray that we live this week differently because what we know about you. And, and though we, we read about, you know, what you did, uh, God, we can trust you to, to work in similar ways in our life today and going forward. And Father, it, it, we are here today because of what we commemorate in this communion that you have us participate in often. And Father, I pray that you would draw us in, that we would worship and thank, and remember and celebrate what you did on the cross, paying the price for our sin in Jesus' name. Amen.